We live in a world that supports and promotes instant gratification. It's fast, it's on the move, it's in real time. Some call it the uh, quote unquote millennial mindset, but this overwhelming pace and state of mind has crept into the psyche of many. Truth is, the journey to greatness, however you define that, takes time and has a cost. Costs are not always a negative, but they are very real and sometimes expensive. Here is where we have those transparent conversations and learn how men and women across various fields and backgrounds are making that cost pay off. Welcome to The Cost with Dana Blair. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of The Cost. I'm Dana Blair. I thank you for taking the time to click that listen button, and I hope that you share with your social circles and give us a click on that subscribe or follow button. The Cost is a place and a space to have different, honest conversations and hopefully take away some gems that will help you move forward and dominate your dreams and aggressively pursue your passions. We're all about that here. Joining me as a guest who has one of those careers where you know it's cool, but you don't really have any idea how to get into that field the right way. We have creative director, sneaker designer, fashion guru, Alexander John. Hello, Alexander. Hello. Thanks for having <laughs> me on the podcast. This is amazing. No problem. And I love the fact that you go by fully Alexander. You haven't abbreviated to A or Alex or Alexi. <laughs> Wait, a grown man may not go by Alexi. I don't know about that one. But, but I appreciate the full breadth and scope of the name. you got a good name. Thank you. Thank you. In the professional world, a lot of people do call me fully by Alexander. Um, some of my friends do call me AJ, though, so i got to be honest about that. Okay. All right. So, okay, AJ. Okay, so that's still a good name. That's, that's a good one. Where are you from? So, originally born in Fort Polk, Louisiana. Um, so, that's where I'm from. I, I have lived in multiple states, but anytime somebody asks me where I'm actually from or where was I born, um, Louisiana. I was born in Louisiana. I lived there um, for at least... I want to say half of my life, um, almost half at this point. So, wait a minute. I feel like I've che- I've been cheated here. Did I know this? Um, I think so. In the very beginning, that's how we kind of. Uh, well, that's how I kind of locked in with you because once I found out you were from Louisiana, I was like, "This is my sister from another Mister." You know, so yeah. uh, Fort Polk yeah. is right around the corner from where I grew up in Alexandria. We're about to have a small town country connection when this interview is over with. Okay. Right. <laughs> Wait, so now that I know you grew up in Fort Polk, I know that sneaker design was not necessarily a career or an occupation that anybody was thinking about doing. You go to school, you you work for the city, something along right. those lines, right? So how right. did you d- develop this interest in in not just sneakers but in the fashion culture and designing and creating? So my mom had uh, a total of 10 kids. Um, and we grew up, believe it or not, in Alexandria, too. So I was born in Fort Polk because my dad was in the service, but we grew up in Alexandria, and we stayed in, in the projects, and, um, you know, we, we were living a life that wasn't as, you know, savory as most people would, would want to live, and, and I got to see a lot of, you know, us. You know, in, in the projects, you have dope boys, you have – the, the dudes who are on the block, and they are always fresh. And when you don't have money, you grow up admiring these guys and saying, you know what, I want what they have on. And so I, mm-hmm. I got into just fashion by 
looking at what these guys are wearing, Jabot jeans, the real Jabot jeans, not the one with the straps on them, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, tree torns. Um, I would see people wearing duckhead. I mean, the the style, you, believe it or not, like Doughboys are responsible for a lot of uh, classic styles that I grew up watching, you know, polo and everything. So I kind of like, that's where it kind of like started for me and then um, moved on to, okay, how do I get this, you know? And so I found that I can draw at the age of seven and um, mm-hmm. started kind of like drawing sneakers and drawing clothing and then started drawing on my clothing. So it kind of all started in that, that whole realm of things. So how did your mom feel about you drawing on your clothes? Because I know my mom would not have appreciated me drawing or modifying my clothes at all. <laughs> <laughs> so my mom wasn't really tough on me, um, and I think it's because she wasn't the mom that had it to spend a lot on it, and I wasn't messing up, like, you know, shirts that she spent hundreds of dollars on or anything like that. Um, so a lot of thrift jeans and things like that would be kind of, like, reimagined or I would cut them and put holes in them. And it actually sat well as long as I wasn't doing something that was really distasteful to her. Uh, she she didn't give me any issues with with kind of expressing myself artistically. What made you go the artistic route and not the dope boy hitting the streets route in order to get those things that you wanted, that style and that flavor that you wanted? To be totally honest with you, um, I tried it. Uh, okay. And, and I didn't have the heart for it. And this is no not to anybody else, but there's you have to think a certain way in order to be out there all night and you know. But I'm I'm there's a there's a whole different mindset. I I I didn't I couldn't see continuing to further the demise of someone else for my gain. And and then there's so many different like I felt like I was Spider Man out there like Spidey sense is going crazy every two minutes because you don't know what's going to happen from day to day. Um, so I did a brief stint and I would say it wasn't even a week and I was just like this is not for me. Um, but what ended up happening was that I used to pass a store. I moved to Cleveland. And I used to pass this store all the time that was in our hood, and they had all the Jordans and all the cool clothes. It was like an urban streetwear store. And I'm just like, one day I'm going to work there, you know. So um, I I ended up just like really kind of hassling the guy by coming in there all the time. And eventually I got got hired, you know, once I got Mm -hmm. a little bit older. Um, But that's kind of like what made me not – take that route was that I didn't have the I didn't have the I didn't have the guts for it to, to be out there to be honest so you started off working in a sneaker store now you're designing some of the coolest sneakers that I've ever seen you've worked with tell share with our audience some of the different brands that you've worked with so they can really understand the level at which you do what you do okay so I have worked with New Balance um, Puma uh, Leaning which is Dwayne Wade's um, parent brand for his line. Um, I've worked with Adidas as well, Reebok. Um, I've worked with Nike indirectly uh, through different stores. But um, mm-hmm. I don't think that there's a brand that I haven't worked with um, that's like on the major. I've even worked with Pony, um, mm-hmm. which is probably why. So I think there's, I've been able to work with 
all the brands, and sometimes it all happens in one year too. So, you know, it's it's been crazy for me. Which is no, that's amazing. Do you want to belong to one particular brand, or do you like that you can go, kind of float around in the space? So I used to. I used to. Mm-hmm. I think that every kid always has that one brand that they want to work for as their dream. Um, but what I noticed about my skill set early on was that I was great at at developing um, something that looks like or reinterpreting different ideas from different brands to another brand. So it it, it started becoming this idea of, hmm, I would like to work with all the brands. How do I do that? Um, because once you work with one brand, you can't wear those Adidas that you like anymore, or you can't wear that Nike that you love, you know, that you grew up on. Like, how can you tell me I can't wear my great Jordan 5s? Like, that's, the, that's like in my grail list. So mm-hmm. me, as I got more into this, um, it became a goal of mine to be that guy that gets to work with them all. Um, and as you watch the industry, you have collaborators um, who have worked with all of the brands in one year, and you're just like, how are they doing that? And so you discover through consulting, you don't have to settle down and design for one brand because technically I don't come from an industrial design world or a sneaker design world via school. I'm off the street with talent. So I mm-hmm. – I, technically can't go into these spaces and say, hey, I'm a shoe designer. So it worked out for me by taking that and using that as a strength. You know, I don't necessarily have this trade in shoe design by paper, but by what I've done, I've been able to do this, and I've been able to do it over and over again with different brands successfully. So this is not something you went to college for. You didn't go to design school. You didn't, this is just all hustle and heart that has gotten you to this level in your career. Right, right, and a lot of prayer, too. <laughs> I heard, No, look, I heard that. And I've talked to a lot of creatives on this podcast as well as on other outlets, and one of the things we've discussed is the struggle job. Like, as yeah. a creative, you know, you have all of, the, all of these ideas and concepts in your head, but you have your, your job where you, that pays your bills so you can eat, your struggle jobs, the ones that you're completely and utterly uninterested in could care right. less about. What were your struggle jobs in the beginning? What were, your, what were those? Right. So I would say, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you, my struggle job um, has been this job. Um, mm. And it's crazy because I left successful positions to do this. So what a lot of people don't know about me is that I'm a certified chef. Um, I'm a certified welder. Uh, I can cut hair as well. I've done telemarketing. I've done door-to-door sales. I went all over looking for the thing that would be, you know, the, 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 the main thing to bring in money. And I was successful at all these other jobs, but it wasn't where my passion was. I remember sitting in a break room, and I was a, a prep chef at the time in Virginia Beach, Virginia, and I was drawing a picture just sketching, and I drew a crowd. Like, people started coming around me, and they are like, wow, this looks amazing. How much do you charge? And I had ended up, before going back into work, making, like, almost $700 in 30 minutes of taking orders. And I was just like, I'm making more money doing this than I am in that kitchen. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up quitting that job. 
um, by the time I went to retail too, and this is just to track back on how I ended up getting into that store that I told you about earlier, mm-hmm. I was working another job. I was making seventeen like fifty an hour. I was like seventeen years old. I just turned seventeen, and I went into this store to buy some of the stuff that the guy had in there. And um, at this time, they hired a new guy, and the guy looked at me. He said, "You look like you won't steal. You want a job?" And I was just like, yeah, I've been trying to work here, like, since I was, like, a kid, of course. And so I asked them how much they paid, and they were like, oh, we pay five seventy-five. And so oh, wow. I quit seventeen fifty job an hour because it was like I, I worked in this factory, and I was a tote inspector, and, which it just wasn't – it was it, – that, to me, it was more of a struggle to do something that somebody thought was successful than to actually be in the space – you know, and, and, and do what my passion is, you know. So I, I quit those jobs to do this, and this has been the struggle job for me. And, you know, it, it's taking those what sometimes may feel like a step back to, to take huge leaps forward. I think that's where a lot of people get discouraged on the journey to doing what makes them happy, right. you know, because it's not always a straight line, you know. It, right. it's, it's It's a zigzag, it's a fall down, it's a get back up. How did you know in in your heart or of hearts that that was the right thing to do? Like, were you afraid? Were you thinking, like, damn, I'm not going to be bringing home this check? You know, what is, you know, my mom going to say or my girl going to say? Or, like, how did you know and find the courage to do that? So um, I've had what I've called, and I always talk to people about this, what I call glimpses of success. And there's these, like, there's these like light at the end of the tunnel moments that you experience. And you're like, this is where I'm supposed to be, but then that light shuts off. And it's almost like God is testing you to see if you're going to persevere or if you're going to take that extra step because nothing about what you're doing has been blueprinted already. There's no, there's no blueprint for it. So those glimpses of success is, is what you're supposed to map out. Okay, what worked for me at that moment? You know, and and how did that happen? Okay, so let me put this next brick here. And so for me, it had been like moments where I worked in retail. I've, I've reached the top of what I'm doing. I'm a buyer now. I'm I'm traveling and and bringing in all this money for this guy. But now, you know, I'm not I'm not happy anymore because I'm I'm being held down on a day to day. I can't live a life because they feel like I'm so good at what I do that I can't take a day off. That's not real life, and that's, not, that's stifling the creativity. So I left that, um, started this consulting company, and wanted to um, help other people get their stores up and running. So I did visual merchandising, and for one guy, I ended up doing you know, his store, and the guy wanted shoes put in there. And I wasn't even supposed to be involved with shoes. Um, mm-hmm. my, I had a friend that did it. So I was doing clothing at the time with this guy. We, we started a line. And um, I called him and I said, hey, this guy wants you to put some shoes in his store that matches the jerseys that he has in the store. So um, long story short, this guy doesn't come through for us. And it's two days before open. And the guy asked, asked me, you know, can you do it? And so I told him, I was like, you know, I haven't done it, but I'll give it a shot. And so I gave it a shot. And we're selling shoes like crazy. The day he opens, we sell like five pairs at $300. And at this time, I'm like in my 20s. And I'm just like, okay, I'm young. I'm making this money. I've made like 30000 in a month. And I'm like, this is great. 
And then mm-hmm. we could move to open up a store that's solely for this. You know, so we moved this concept out of his store and opened up a store together that's solely for this. And two weeks after I'm in the paper, Nike is, like, coming around and I'm doing stuff with Reebok and um, LeBron James is killing it. And I'm in Cleveland at this time, so i got to give you all some places. Um, mm-hmm. But, um, but uh, I ended up, the store ended up closing. Like, this guy ended up taking the money, and uh, the store was in his name. You know, and I realized, like, I had nothing. I had nothing but my two hands and these ideas. But I had let this guy be the business side of things. And so, mm-hmm. so this was, like, my, one of my first moments of what you're talking about is, like, these, these struggles that you go through, like, how do you know, like, this is the thing that you're supposed to do? So I end up, like, being two days away from my phone being shut off, and this guy, you know, I'm not working with him anymore. He decides that, you know, because he can't get in on the extra work that I'm doing that, you know, he doesn't want to continue. So um, the store closes, and I'm at my apartment. My rent is due. Um, my phone's about to be cut off. And there's this guy that calls me. And so before that, I'm just going to be honest. Like I said a prayer. I'm like, God, listen, if you want me to continue in this, like, you know, show me what I'm supposed to do because literally I have no way out of this. Um, I don't have a job. And even if I got a job, you know, two weeks in a hole, you're not going to pay the rent or whatever you need. You know, it won't be taken care of until like a couple of weeks. So I'm just like, right. I need something now. I need a miracle now. And so same day, um, this guy calls me and he's like, hey, man, um, this is, you know, so-and-so. Uh, I met you at the store. I'm like, yeah, I remember you. He's like, uh, yeah, I just stopped by the store. They said you're not with them anymore. And I'm like, yeah, you know, certain things happen or whatever, and we're not seeing eye to eye. He's like, yeah, so, well, um, you know, are you still doing shoes? I'm like, yeah. You know, he's like, uh, well, I want to get, like, 13 pairs done. And wow. you talk about a moment where it was, like, tears in my eyes. I'm like, God is real, you know, yes, I am supposed to continue this. No, it won't be easy, but if I stay faithful to my talent, then people will come, you know. So that was like one of the first moments that I experienced like that. And there's many more down the line, but that was one of the key pivotal moments where I was like, I'm, I can go get a regular job or I can answer the call to this thing that I feel is greater in me with design and art and using my skills. So I was just like, okay, I'm going to stick with this. And then where did that relationship go from there? So um, with, with this guy or you're just saying with, with, with just like what, what with, happened With the next? guy as well as in your career, yeah, both. Oh, well, with that guy, I ended up doing 13 pairs for him, and then he ended up coming back again, and he got like – 40 pairs made, you know, so mm-hmm. he, I literally had, like, people who were going to the stores and seeing that I wasn't there anymore and NBA clients that called me on my phone and they're like, hey, I heard you're not with the store anymore, so I got a refund and I'm, I'm shipping shoes to your house. So my, my mm-hmm. apartment became the, the, <laughs> the store, basically. And um, from there I ended up uh, continuing on, but then – I was just like, okay, I'm going to need a store mm-hmm. because my apartment can't be the store. I've got shoes everywhere. You know, people know my address. You know, it's just getting Yeah, me. that's not good. <laughs> right. So 
So I ended up um, going back and doing the consulting. And a guy that I knew before and had worked with um, on, on helping him set up stores, he, asked me, he called me and asked me about Tower City. He said, is it, is it good down there? And that was a place where I had this location where I'm doing all these shoes and, you know, really successful. And I'm like, yeah, it's great down there. You know, what are you thinking about? And so he says, well, what would you want to do down there? And I'm like, open up a T-shirt shop. So I helped this guy open up a T-shirt shop. I used like 25000 of his cash to um, get merchand- uh, merchandise in the store. And then uh, I believe like it was like our first month we made like seventy-five grand, And he was just like, okay, this is crazy. And then in a year – we had made like $1.9 million um, just wow. off of the $20 investment. So he was just like, okay, this is, this is crazy. What else can we do? So I ended up opening up multiple stores for, for him. I've, I've always been in the business of helping people start something. So it's, it's kind of like the relationship went from me um, continuing to use not just the, the customizing the shoes art, but using art itself as a, a medium, you know, to help others create. And, um, do you? Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I was going to ask, do you have your own store now? Because you're in Atlanta now. You're based in Atlanta. So, right. I, no. I, it's funny. I moved down here to open up a gallery. And when I got down here, I ended up traveling the first seven months and – uh, helping two clients open up their stores. So I don't have a crew. Uh, so I'm in, in between Rhode Island and, and Indiana, Indianapolis um, to work on these stores simultaneously the first year. And um, it was like, I don't know, I, I pray about everything. I, I, I have my desires, but I feel like God is always like, yeah, you got that, but I got something better. Yeah, you're thinking that you're going to do this, but I got something better. Yeah, you think you're going to work for one brand, but you're going to work with them all. So I've learned to, like, kind of put out there what I, what I want as a, as a mind goal, but not being so attached to it because God has different plans for me. You know, and, and they, I can honestly say they've been better than my own plans. So, you know, no, I don't have a location yet. I'm still thinking about it still, you know, wanting to do it, but I see why now. I'm three years into Atlanta now, and I see why I don't have a location. I've traveled so much that I wouldn't even be at my own space or even have time to develop art for it. So mm-hmm. it's like, you know, in, in God's wisdom, I've been held back from doing this idea because I haven't even been here. Have you always been this strong in your faith? And if not, was there like a pivotal moment or something that, that just affirms your faith in God and the universe? Well, I grew up in it. So my my mom, you know, and I'm so thankful that, you know, they, they gave us this, this background. Like when we were young, like when you grow up the way that I did, um, from project to project, from house to house, not knowing what you're going to eat. Listen, if you don't have God, you're going to, you're going to go crazy, you know. And mm-hmm. what it was is that I didn't just have God or this knowledge of it. I've, I've, I've seen miracles happen, you know. And um, one of the most pivotal moments that I've, I've had happen has happened more recently than, you know, when I was younger. I've, I've seen a lot, 
you know, go down when I was a kid, a lot that God has done for us, and, you know, but recently, like two years ago, I was almost killed, and um, I saw two of my good friends, they were robbed, they were murdered in their own home, and oh I was able to make it out. And so, but my my um, faith got stronger because in that moment when I had a gun to my head, the same gun that killed these guys, I I asked God, I was like, I need you to be here with me. I need you to get me out of here. And I'm here to tell you the story today. So it's like, yes, I've had, like, crazy moments that I can tell you about. Like, I could probably write a book from, you know, my childhood, but this is, like, fresh, you know, um, mm-hmm. and, and, and reaffirming that there is a God, you know, and, and he does watch over us and he is listening. You know, so, so yeah, that that was pivotal for me more recent than, you know, when I was growing up. I have to ask, how did you get out of that situation? You can't just say you had a gun to your head and then just <laughs> drop the story. You have to tell me, how, how did you get out of that situation? So it's so crazy. I'm in the hallway of this apartment. My, I'm, I'm on the floor. My friend is lying there, and I'm there because, these guys break into an apartment, and immediately one of my friends uh, is, tries to go back into his bedroom, and they shoot him in his back. And so I go to check on him to make sure that he's all right, and I end up with a gun to my head like that. And so I get down on the floor. I'm on the floor. I'm telling him it's going to be all right, and um, the guy is asking me, you know, for, for money, telling me to empty my pockets. I thank God I, I emptied my pockets. I didn't have nothing in them. Um, but I'm there in the hall, and there's two guys, two guns. And it's not just one person doing this, you know. So I hear another shot, and I'm just like, God, they are about to kill us in here, you know. And um, so the guy that's doing the shooting, he comes over, and he's, you know, asking me the same questions, you know. I, I want money, empty your pockets. I'm just like, I don't have anything, you know. And God kept me calm at the same time. You know, I, I wasn't frantic. I didn't want to give them any reason to, you know, just go off and shoot me. But my friend is over to my right, and he's, like, now taking his, like, final breaths. And I'm just like, okay, you know, I need a way out of here. And so the first gunman goes back to the living room, and the other guy is in their, in their bedroom grabbing something, and he comes out of the bedroom. He steps over both of us, and he goes into the living room. And as he goes into the living room, this is where I'm just like, okay, God, I need you to get me out of here. Like, you know, and so he goes to load his gun, and he opens the gun, and he walks past the hallway. And at that moment, I swear to you, as clear as we're talking, like, a voice told me, get up, go in the room, and lock the door. And so I got up, like, immediately and went in the room and locked the door quietly. And when he came back to the hall, it was like maybe four seconds later, he came back into the hall. I believe he was going to shoot me at that moment because it looked like he got what he wanted. And um, they they got frantic because they didn't see me anymore, and they left. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if they thought that, you know, I was calling the cops or whatever, but they just got really confused, and they were like, he's gone, we've got to get out of here, and they, they got out of there. Do, you, so. do were those guys ever caught? Do you know if it was like a targeted attack? Like, do you or was it random? Do you know? 
Well, what I ended up finding out was that the, the guy who was doing the shooting was a uh, – he was related to one of the guys. And, um, yes, they did catch one of the guys, um, but the other one is still out there. The one that wasn't doing the shooting, he's still out there. The one that was doing the shooting, he's been caught. Wow. This, I'm so sorry for your loss, but, yes, that is definitely – in those moments, when you, if you ever question whether or not God is real or there's a higher power, that would definitely be that moment. That would right. definitely, definitely be that moment. Um, I'm so sorry that you had to experience that and had to live through that. But, yeah, your faith and your craft seem to go definitely go hand in hand. Um, right. Do you feel like you've achieved success? Do you feel successful? I feel um, – it's funny. It's, it's – it's something I talk to God about because I'm just like, I think success is man-made. And I'm, I'm going to explain what I mean by that. Um, just because it's a word and it has a meaning to it. But when I read the Bible and I look at what success is, you know, biblically, it's like you followed the path that you were supposed to be on. And the end goal is, you know, whatever it was that God had for your life, you know, eternal life, whatever. But to me in this world, success is like I got a lot of money and I don't have to worry about, you know, paying my taxes mm-hmm. anymore. I don't, I don't deem that uh, success because a lot of these people are crumbling. You know, a lot of these people that we deem successful are, like, not happy. I've met a lot of them. You see a lot of them in the media, you know. Um, mm-hmm. We're witnessing one of our greats go down right now, you know, where he's, like, trying to express freedom. But this – wasn't aren't haven't you been successful for a long time you know so right. i think that the success that i've experienced is walking in the favor of what god wants me to do with my talent and in that sense i am successful am i at a place where i'm a millionaire right now no i'm not but you know i think that um, yes i'm i'm experiencing this this type of success that you know i am in in order I, things are falling the right way for me. And even when it doesn't seem like it's supposed to, it still, it still works out in an even better way. You know, so I'm successful in the, to me in, in, in that light um, of being able to do the unthinkable because I believe in the impossible, you know. I love that. Absolutely, absolutely love everything that you just said. Um, who would be your dream collaboration? Who would be your dream project? Dream project. Um, hmm, that's a good question. Uh, man. Not like you haven't done so many. I mean, I'm just saying. Right, right. Um, I think that what I'm getting ready to experience right now um, is kind of like a manifestation of that. So, I think that um, so I, I come. I, I was born in '79, but you're still a product of the '80s. Like you remember the '80s and you know how mm-hmm. good the movies were back then. And so um, one of my favorite like movies like from the '80s was like Karate Kid. And okay. It, it was because you, you have this guy who's awkward, you know, and then you have this like master who is like um, stubborn a bit. He has his own story his own thing, and he's teaching this guy in these very awkward, you know, 
lifestyle ways to learn, you know, the thing that the guy said he wanted. I want to learn Kung Fu. And he's like, yeah, paint a fence, you know. So <laughs> I, think, I think that that's what I've been striving for as far as collaboration is someone who's going to be willing to show you um, the ropes, you know, it, as it pertains to you. And uh, the, the guy that, that I felt was good at that was guy that Jeff Staple. Um, mm-hmm. so I recently sat down and talked with him, and I have this collaboration coming up with him, um, and uh, I'll, I'll be designing, you know, alongside. Now, we've done something before, but it's different now. This is really a cut and sew line. This will, this will end up going into, you know, um, uh, his line, you know, and, and not just something that is for the web. You know, so mm-hmm. I think my, my dream collaboration, I've been kind of like, you know, doing this, these themes based off of things that he's designed. Um, so my dream collaboration was kind of like Jeff Staple, you know, um, for a while now um, because he's done so much. And mm-hmm. when, you go, when you go to look at his brand, you will see one thing. But then you go to Staple Design, which is his website, and you'll see that he's designed you know, interiors, he's done graphic work, he's done font work and developed logos. He did the logo for Fader Magazine in the first 10 issues. Like, it's all these different things that this guy has done. And it's like, I told him, I'm like, you're Mr. Miyagi, dude. Like, you're, <laughs> you're the guy that I've been looking for because there's no one else that I can work with that understands how you can be able to do multiple things. Like how do you do furniture and then how do you do um, go, travel and do someone's store and then you come back and you're doing sneakers and then you do canvas. and You're not supposed to be able to do all of that. So mm-hmm. when you say collaboration, dream collaboration, it's to collaborate with someone who understands all those sides and allows you to exercise that. And I feel like I've found that um, – and the ability to work with this guy. So I love that. I can't wait to see what you guys come up with. Yeah. This is gonna be crazy. Karate kid. Right. <laughs> um, you know, our younger generations, our millennials, they often get a bad rap about instant gratification in the social media world that we live in. Um, what's a piece of advice you'd want to give someone who's looking to get into your line of work? who might be coming up after you and, and, and wanting to do what you do? Um, I would say that learn marketing for yourself. Um, that's, that's one of the main things that when I, when I started doing this, a lot of brands, and I, I see a lot of young people going through it now, young designers, they share their work online, and then they end up six months down the, later, down the line you know, saying, um, hey, this brand took this from me or this brand did this and it looks just like mine. Well, that happened to me a lot when I first started doing sneakers. You know, a whole bunch of ideas are, are taken because they're good ideas. But what you have to do is get in front of those ideas by understanding marketing and how to market yourself so that when those ideas are taken, people will say the brands took them from you instead of you saying you know, mm-hmm. because you're only one person. But when you have the people with you, that's the, that's the true power of social media. It's not you by yourself. It's the people that support you. So, you know, understanding that, 
um, and and how to connect and and how to create something that is outside of these normal brands design range is what I would say is how you get into the space that I'm in because. It's not that these brands can't do what I do, but they're so big. It takes a giant, you know, a longer time to turn around, you know, on a dime than it would, you know, a, a, a little guy. So for me, my strength is being nimble, you know, to be able to create something. As soon as they put out the shoe, I've taken that shoe and transformed it from mm-hmm. what it is. And it could be at its hottest place, you know, it's the easy shoe and it comes out and it's very hot and People like it as it is, but I say, okay, let's transform that. And mm-hmm. it causes a reaction, you know, where some people are like, oh, man, I hate it. And then, but the brands are like, this is getting the reaction, though. That's what they're, right. that's what they're getting. So you want to be in this space. Um, you have to be in the business of causing reactions and understanding marketing and understanding the power of people um, who support you and um, being able to utilize that to to show the brands that you are worthy of a collaboration. And my final question for you, as you keep dropping gems over and over again, is there a particular quote or scripture or something that you return to to read that keeps you motivated and focused? Um, yes, there is. Uh, and um, I, I, I keep it in my mind. Um, all the time, and it's just your gifts will make room for you, um, and that's that's biblical. And I will uh, just tell you where it comes from. But this is that's the verse that you know. There's a whole bunch of verses out there. There's a whole bunch mm-hmm. of verses about. There's a whole bunch about all things working together for the good. But the gifts are what we're using daily, and and. And you're using faith if you believe in this this verse, you know, um, because it takes faith to, like I said, to build a blueprint on the fly. Like, you know, some people call it, you know, build an airplane while while it's flying, while you're in the air. You know, that's mm-hmm. what it really is. And so that your gifts making room for you verse for me is like the thing that keeps you going because sometimes – you're working on things and people don't understand it. And they're like, yeah, nah, it's too ahead of its time. Or, you know, it's like, nah, we're going to go in another direction. There's a lot of rejection that you can face um, by being so forward thinking or having so much expression into your art and then just to be told no. You know, I've been told Mm -hmm. no so many times. And so it takes a verse like this for me to believe and to move on to the next thing, like, listen, you know, maybe it didn't create room there, but it's creating room in another space. And what I find is that these rooms that my gifts are creating are physical spaces. You know, my home went from one size to another size. I'm not going to talk about that, but... <laughs> right, you know, right. It, it is it is um, something that really... Uh, really happens um, in, in real life. So that's the verse that I keep with me at all times. Like, your gifts will make room for you. Thank you so much, Alexander, for all of your time. If everybody out there listening, follow him on social media at Alexander John Design. Email us your thoughts, questions, and comments at info at JustinaBlair.com and also share amongst your social circles. Click subscribe and, of course, continue to chase your dreams and pursue your passions. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much, Alexander. Thank you for having me.
Well, that wraps another great episode. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast and of course, share with your tribe, even the people that you don't like. And don't forget to follow me at Justina Blair, where you can let me know how you're making the cost pay off for you.